Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. Move over to the NHL playoffs. Tonight in Montreal, the Vegas Golden Knights even up their series with the Canadians. Two games apiece, a 2-1 win in overtime, Tom. The big story, obviously, was the game day decision to go with Robin Leonard in the pipes for Vegas as Marc-Andre Fleury was, was essentially benched in the game for the game. And now, uh, Tom, I guess we'll bring up the first topic of discussion here is does this create a goalie controversy here? Leonard stops 27 of 28 shots. He gets the win. And game five will be Tuesday here in Las Vegas. It should, but it won't. Um, you know, it, it's you have to remember that we're, we're dealing with a, a head coach. We're dealing with a, a franchise. They just kind of make a decision and go with it. Um, and it, they don't. They don't kind of live in the moment, you know. They are that that team. We talked about this last night. I said this is the game that they would want to put Robin Leonard in there, but they just simply can't do it. They did it, and it wound up working out well for them. Um, but one of the reasons I was saying you can't do it is your question, Tim, right? That you can't do it because now do you have a quarterback controversy? You can't do it because are you in a bad position where you have to make that decision? They put Mark Andre Fleury here in a no-win situation where if he goes out and he wins the game, well, okay, that's what you're supposed to do. You're out starting goalie, you went out, you won the game, just like you were supposed to win the game. If he goes out there, Tim, and he doesn't win the game, right? Now, all of a sudden, how do you possibly start Flurry at all for the rest of the series? And that's a tough spot. I think that there is a quarterback controversy, or, or I mean a uh, goalie controversy, and I think there should be. You think there's a goalie controversy, and there probably should be, but Vegas doesn't think that. We, we talked about it last night before this decision was even made. I said to you, is Fleury tired? Is he mentally, physically tired? Do, should they go to Leonard? And you're like, they, they can't, right? They can't do it because he's played well enough to, to have that job. It's not like he's gotten just destroyed in the playoffs. Flurry's played well, but I guess uh, DeBoer went with the move today, worked out, and he created his own controversy, but if you really want to go back um, to last year and how Marc-Andre Fleury was treated by the media, how he was treated by uh, the, the social media, the press, in that Leonard was brought here, Tom, and extended the long-term contract to be the goalie of the future, right? He just had his injury issues this year, concussion uh, situation as well. And Flurry played very good this season, but now you're putting yourself right back in that spot you were last year, right, Tom? And that Leonard's the future, so you just go with the hot goalie, right? And the hot goalie is Leonard and that he won. That's the only reason he's hot, right? Well, I thought it was interesting. You made a comment last night, and nobody kind of caught it, maybe, <laughs> because we didn't hear a lot of pushback. And guys... Still plenty of time to give us pushback at HW Sports over on Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, or 876-1340, And your comment basically was, Robin Leonard is the, the better goalie. 
Mm-hmm. And Robin Leonard should be starting. And, and you you said it in in passing. And I know you, so I kind of shouldn't have. I didn't push, and I should have. In a radio sense, I should have said, Tim, let's dive into that. And we didn't because I know that's truly how you feel. And, and no Vegas fans kind of jumped on that. And now, look, you look right here. But, Tim, the reason why, you know, you look right is not necessarily only because he won. It's because the organization believed that before last year. The organization just never in a million years imagined that Flurry would have this kind of amazing season that he's had. But you also have to look at, like you said, mental fatigue. And we talked about it at length yesterday, mental fatigue. One game off is not going to reset Mark Andre Flurry. If they believe that he needed a game off here or there, you don't do that in a pivotal game on the road in Montreal. There had to be something more than just, don't tell me, Vegas fans. And I, I saw you guys on Twitter today. Routine day off. You don't get routine days off, right, in the conference finals on the road with an opportunity staring down and going down in the Series 3-1. That's not a routine day off, guys. There was something more to the story, and I think you, Tim, hit on it last night. Yeah, there's no routine day off in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and it was Vegas's, I guess you can say, luck instead of fortune that they had the tandem that they did because if Flurry's contract would have been, I think it was $7 million, right, Tom, for this year. If it wouldn't have been as high, his ass would have been gone. I promise you that, man. I promise you that. You don't bring Leonard in and extend him to keep Marc-Andre Fleury as well on the team. He was out of here. Nobody wanted that contract. And you're creating your own situation here. Like you said, Marc-Andre's in a, in a no-win situation unless he starts again game five, they win the series, they go to the Stanley Cup, and they win. Okay, that's best-case scenario for Marc-Andre Fleury in that. What if they don't start him, though, Tom? You know, or what if they do start him and he loses? It, it's bad, bad for for Flurry at this point, unless they they play him and he goes all the way and wins the cup. And it's just it's for me. It's I didn't think it was this great coaching move by Pete DeBoer to do it today. When I sent you that that uh, that text today with the the image, it had just happened. You know, it wasn't like he announced it last night. He did it on game day, and really, he said it had nothing to do meant with what happened in game number four, or game number three with the the bad goal. He said it had nothing to do with that. Well, you just said, mentally, you don't get over it by sitting down a game, right? And if it was bother, wasn't bothering him, it sure as hell is bothering him now, right? You, you just let him, put him back out there and let him get through it, and they didn't do that. They won the game. I don't know if it was the best decision, though. And, Tim, let's also remember that when was the last time Mark andre Fleury was on the ice? when he blew the game for them. Now, he's had a tremendous season, okay? He's one of the top three goaltenders, and he's going to be voted on as one of the top three goaltenders. Tremendous season. No one's taken that away. He's had a very good playoffs, right? I mean, it hasn't been, uh, you know, a stand-on-your-head Carey Price playoffs, but it's been a tremendous playoffs. He's been very good, very good, and very good. But the last time we saw Flurry, the last image that we have of him is him losing the game for them him giving the game away with a bonehead play where he made a mistake. And we know between all of us, you know what? This isn't a punishment for that. But it kind of feels like it, doesn't it, Tim? Your your goalie 
makes a boneheaded play to lose you a pivotal game. You yank him during game four of a championship series. It feels like a demotion. It feels like a punishment. And, you know, you could tell me, well, Flurry's been in the league so long and he's, he's mentally stable. Well, if he's been in the league so long and he's mentally okay, then he wouldn't need a day off. And he had this day off. It all coincided in a weird situation, Tim. It all kind of came to head all at the wrong time. And like you said, you could be an experienced veteran. You could be one of the top three goalies in the league. You could be on top of the world. But there's no way that Mark Andre Fleury isn't at least 1% thinking about, well, the last time I was on this ice, we lost. And we lost because of me. It has to creep into his mindset. Routine day. Uh, idiots. Just idiots who would say something like that. He Okay, granted, he had started 15 of their 16 playoff games. But what does that even mean? I mean, when you have a number one goaltender, that's what it is. Patrick Waugh didn't get a routine day off in the playoffs, right? Tom Martin Brodeur didn't get routine days off. They played seven-game series after seven-game series all the way till the end. That's what it is. Just Tim, could you Tim, could you imagine Tampa sitting down Vasilevsky tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I need a day off. R- routine day off. It's, yeah. it, it's 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 game five against the Islanders. Routine day off. Here's Vasilevsky sitting down. Yeah. Could you imagine they that, that Montreal comes out onto the ice, you know, in two days? At Carrie Price sitting down. What is it? Ah, routine day off. Idiot. It's unheard of. It's unthinkable for us to even imagine Vasilevsky or Price getting sat down. But Flurry sits down. Routine day off. Yeah, it just—it really does show the the idiocracy sometimes of of the fans out here. It really just disgusting that you would say, call it what it is. You you can be a controversial person by telling the truth if that's what it means. You don't go to Leonard in this spot. I don't care. And and you said it. I said he's a better goalie. I truly believe that. You just don't make that move at this spot, win or lose. And um, if you made the move, you have to commit to Leonard now. Right. For the rest of the series. Right. And that, that should be the goal in Game 5 is Leonard should be on the ice. And I just don't know if that's what's going to happen now, Tom. And you're right. Listen, if Leonard comes out, all of this co- conversation that we're having here, Tim, all this talk that we're having here, um, it goes away, right? Yeah. Because, okay, you made the change. You didn't think Flurry was up to it. You made the change. That's not, that's not what's going on here. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, look, we could be proven dead wrong. But oftentimes on this show... That's not the case. Most times we're dead right. And you're going to start to hear, well, here's the talk before next game, Tim. That's why we have two goalies. We feel comfortable with both of them. We have a two-headed goalie. Uh, Okay, gotcha. BS. And Pete DeBoer, who, in my opinion, is not a better coach than Jarrah Gallant was. Not even close. We'll see, and we're going to see how well he does. You you already know that's going to happen, Tom. He's going to... He's going to do a good job in his next stop, next season already. But Pete DeBoer, it wasn't a goalie situation. And this is my next uh, segment I wanted to talk about, and this is that he needs to do something with his lineage because still, Tom, can't score on a power play. The top two lines still can't score goals. It wasn't a goalie situation, and it's an offensive problem. And I think he just made the wrong move. It just happened to work out for him. Well, let's also go to Pete DeBoer and say this. Hey, Pete. 
your team got utterly dominated tonight, right? Isn't that what he likes to say, Tim? Isn't that, wasn't that the quote when they lost the game? Well, we dominated them. Hey, guess what? Montreal dominated you tonight, but you just squeaked out with a win. How does it feel when the shoe's on the other foot? Because that's what happened uh, last game. And I will say this. Look, the series is sitting here and it's tied. And I said all along I thought Vegas would win in seven. I still think Vegas is going to win in seven. I talked to you last night. I said I still think Vegas comes out on top. But, Tim, Montreal has outplayed Vegas in this series. It may be tied, but Montreal outplayed them. And the idea that you're sitting here and you are not making changes and just going to the well and hoping to win these games in overtime and hoping that that you get that extra pass here or that, and hoping that you get a bounce – It's just not good coaching going on right now because, like you said, they have still futility where they need to have some success, and it's showing up. You got lucky tonight, and that's what it was. It was luck tonight. You got lucky tonight to walk away with a win. Any game in overtime, guys, and this isn't against against Vegas, any game in overtime, there's some luck involved, right? I'll say that with everything. So you got a little lucky tonight. You walked away with a win. But you didn't change anything, and you're still rolling out a team that has massive scoring failures, and you're still rolling out the lines that are having problems scoring on the power play game after game after game. Uh, you know, if it doesn't bite you here in Montreal, you got to look at the big picture and say it's eventually going to bite you. When is the time to make a change? Yep, yeah, and the goal in overtime, it wasn't that Price got burned. He just the they were able to pepper them and put the rebound away. I thought Carey Price played well again tonight, Tom, and that that's the thing is they haven't made Price look bad. And I know that they've been successful in stifling those top two lines. And, you know, you look at Stone, scoreless, right? You look at Carlson who had an assist, although it was a, a cheap assist on that goal in overtime. You look at the guys like, like uh, Marcia So, nothing tonight. Pacioretty had an assist earlier. It's it's not that they, uh, those guys are failing and Vegas is, especially the Vegas fan sentiment is, well, eventually, Tom, they're going to get going, and then we're going to win this series, which which could happen, right? It could. But it's hard to go that way. It's hard to say that when they just haven't been able to do it. Tim, apparently we, we, we've hit a, a note here. Uh, let me read something over here from Twitter. And you guys be a part of it, at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports over on Twitter, 876-1340. Um, and and uh, 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 clearly a Vegas faithful here writes, not worried about Flower. He'll be back and the dominant best goalie in the league starting next game. Okay. Um, we also had Chris Winwright in, and he said, basically, look, bottom line is that DeBoer called Flurry fatigued. He's a fatigued goalie. He brought up the 17 games in 30 days. He got his day off. Now they're going right back to him. He's the starter. Tim, do you think one day off is, is all of a sudden fixes the fatigue goalie? No. <laughs> is, is Flower back to being the best goalie in the league all of a sudden? Well, he wasn't the best goalie in the league to begin <laughs> with. But, but, uh, no, he wasn't. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I can't get in these guys' heads because I'm not a, a, a superior athlete like those guys. But like you said, the last thing he remembered was he lost the game. Wouldn't you want to go right back out there and prove that that was a fluke and, and you know, um, you don't want to sit there and watch another guy put on a hell of a show out there? And say and think to yourself, well, I'm a team guy. Those guys are all selfish in, in their own ways, right? So, to answer the tweet, maybe he's right. Maybe Flurry's the guy in Game Five. I just once you, we said it. Once you made the move, you got to commit to the move. What did Leonard do wrong to put him on the bench again? 
Leonard won you a key game here. Tim, what if Montreal gets up 2 nothing in the first period next game? With Flurry and goal or with Leonard and goal? No, with Flurry and goal. Uh, don't, you no, think his, don't you think his team is going, yeah, 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 maybe yeah. still tired? Maybe he's still fatigued? But maybe protocol, he's still that guy? Protocol would be like you can't pull the goalie at that point. Maybe a third goal. But I I think Flurry's going to start, Tom. I really do. And I think Leonard's the answer. So we'll see what happens Tuesday night. I I do believe that Flurry's going to start. I still believe that Vegas wins this series, but I still believe it was a mistake to start Leonard tonight, even though they got the win. And it's not that they wouldn't get the win today. It's like you said, I believe Leonard and, and Flurry are about the same. You think yeah, Leonard's better. I think they're about the same. It has nothing to do with uh, skill set. It has to do with the mentality of the team and what you did to Flurry, to Leonard, and to your entire team. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't show up right now, Tim, but if you're benching Flurry now, do you think that this day off, this one day off, is going to reset him? Or do you now have to go start him uh, or go start Leonard in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals against the Islanders or against Tampa? You know, do you now have to sit him in a spot where, oh, wait a minute, you're in an elimination game in a Game 5 or 6 in the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, but Flurry's fatigued. Oh, he's a little tired. So now we have to go to Leonard, right? This is a this just created a longer set of questions, as opposed to you know what you should have sat him down earlier in the in the series if he was really that tired and fatigued. Right, tired and fatigued, but was still basically one goal games. He's tired and fatigued though. It's not like one goal. he gave up a five spot, you know. Right, one goal games. You won in overtime. Everyone's talk, everything is fine today, Tim, because they won in overtime. But what a narrative it would have been if they were down 3-1, right? And we're talking about overtime. It's not like they clearly won the game, right? An overtime goal goes one way or the other. You need a lot of luck in overtime. You always do, okay? Um, if this was 3-1, what do you do? Now... You're telling me our phones wouldn't be lighting up with people sitting down and, and calling us and saying what a mistake it was to put Leonard in there? Right. Exactly. And I don't want to hear this. Well, we have the, the goalie duo tandem. I don't want to hear that because, look, no team wants to have $12 million wrapped up in goaltenders. It's ridiculous to think about it that way. The they, uh, only reason that happened is, like I said, they got stuck with Flurry. They got stuck with him, Tom, and he ended up being their savior this year. The problem is, how do you tell Leonard, hey, man, thanks for being the backup, essentially? Well, that's not why they brought him there, Tom. They brought him there to be the guy. And now I just went out and basically saved this series for you. If I'm Leonard, I'm thinking that I saved this series for you guys. I deserve to be on that ice game five in Vegas with that crowd. Let me take, take you guys to the finals and let me finish this. That's my mindset, if I'm Robin Leonard, of course he's not going to say that, but that's what he's thinking, right, Tom? Tim, I said it before the year, and we had a conversation about it, and I got a lot of pushback. I got a pushback from some media guys, you know, in Vegas, uh, which they often do. Um, and I said, I think Vegas wants Flurry to have a good year, win the Stanley Cup, say I'm done and retire. So they don't have to make that tough decision, because in, in this town... Flurry's a legend. He's a god. Oh my goodness, he's everything, right? And it's tough when you go, uh, what's good for the team 
is not having Flurry come back next year. That's good for the team because he is getting older. Like you said, it's a it's a contract uh, that they're unable to sustain two goalies at this contract and continue to be successful. It's for the long term goal. It's Robin's team. We get that. Flurry lifting the cup saying goodbye, retiring. They hang his jerseys in the rafters. He'll be the guy in Vegas. He'll be the the Vegas guy. It's all setting up for a storybook ending. But along that storybook ending, Tim, there's a lot of pitfalls that could happen. And I think that they just laid the groundwork for one of those pitfalls. We've been looking at a Tom Brady storybook ending the last three years, Tom, and he keeps coming back. The way Flurry played this year, he's still under contract next year. He's got a $7 million cap hit again. Why would he want to retire? Why wouldn't he just keep playing? He thinks he's still got it. And I, you know, obviously, statistically, he does. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, I'm talking from an organizational standpoint. From a flurry standpoint, I'm going, yeah, I'm coming back. You know, I'm going to be in the top three goaltenders in the league right now. I, 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 there's a yeah. very good argument to say I'm, I'm number two. I think Grubauer was better, but there's an argument to say I'm number two. Um, and I'm going to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup this year. Why would I not come back and cash that check? Yeah, okay. There's a lot of that from Flurry's aspect, absolutely. But there's a romantic notion too, right? A sports romantic notion of watching Vegas's favorite son and the face of Vegas sports lift up that trophy and skate out as a champion. I mean, it doesn't take long in some respects to do that in, in cities. And it happens in the biggest cities, guys, right? Mark Messier is the face of Rangers hockey. He won once, played most of his career in Edmonton, right? Um, started his career in Edmonton. Uh, he only's got one, he's only got one cup, but he's the face of Rangers hockey. You know, the guy never have to buy a drink again in New York City. It's one of those situations. Flurry has been the guy in Vegas. They've adopted him as, okay, he's now ours. Who cares what he did before this? He's had his greatest seasons here. He's got a chance to win a cup here. And if he does win a cup, they are going to treat him like a god forever. So, in that respect, there is the romantic notion that that's how you go out. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I guess we'll see uh, see what happens Tuesday night here in Vegas. Obviously, it'll be a sold-out T-Mobile arena. Tom, Vegas minus 250 on Tuesday. That's insane. I'll be all over Montreal. <laughs> I I mean I just I almost have to how how are you gonna give me back you know two twenty uh, with with Montreal the way that they played they have outplayed Vegas in the series they've outplayed them and the games that that they've lost they've lost in overtime right I mean give me Montreal plus that number all day every day no one's counting on them Tim I got one last flurry Leonard question because Tim. You know, Chris wrote to you, and he's kind of uh, addressed the situation where, you know what, everything's fine, everything's okay. Because they won. And, and that's kind of my point here. We are not looking at this in a bubble and saying, okay, because they won, everything's fine. If Flurry starts and Flurry loses, do you bring Leonard back for game six, or do you just go down with the ship with Flurry? If Flurry loses game five? Yep. Uh, one goal game or more than one goal? This no, it doesn't matter. He loses a 3-2 game, Tim. No, you stay with Flurry. If he gets beat 4-2, to two, then maybe I could see. And that's not an empty net situation, like legit 4-2, to 5-2. to two. I would go back to Leonard. But if you've 
if you're already going to make the switch back in Game 5, you got to stay with him the rest of the way. But then again, Pete DeBoer does things that we don't think uh, are uh, the way they should be done. So who knows what that guy's thinking. But that would be my play is that if Flurry plays Game 5, they lose 3-2, to 2-1, two, two to one, something like that. He, he plays the rest of the way out. If he gets beat by two goals or more legitimate, then, then you go to Leonard to try to finish it. All right. See, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the, that's a, a legitimate question that has to be asked because, you know, it's it's do or do or die, you know, all or nothing here. And uh, if you already think he's fatigued, he goes out there and loses, it's going to be a hard sell to the fans. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Leonard should be starting game five. I just feel it's going to be flurry. They're going to play the whole, he's rested, he's back home, the crowd, they're going to go with that whole storyline, so. And he very plus, well plus tough. plus two twenty, plus two twenty on a goaltender who has done. You want to talk about the goaltending controversy? There's not one in, in Montreal. In that Carey Price has been absolutely amazing, and you're going to give me plus two twenty. You can't look that. You, you're not taking the two fifty. So I'll take the value. Perry, Perry Price in a in a playoff that still has <laughs> um, Vasilevsky in a playoff that still has. Mark Andre Fleury, uh, the best goalie right now is Carey Price. Yeah, hundred percent. Speaking of Vasilevsky, Tom, tomorrow game five in Tampa, the Islanders tied it up at two with a big home win yesterday. So now back to Tampa, and the Lightning dollar ninety at home. I, I almost have to go with Tampa here. It's a massive line, Tim. We we know it's a massive line, um, but we talked about it last night that. Tampa looked like they found something in the second period, late second period, and they dominated the third period against the Islanders. Tampa's at home. Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. He's at home, and he knows they have to win this game. There's zero, zero, zero way they want to go into New York with a must-win game in the loudest arena in sports, uh, in hockey. There's just no way. There's no way they don't want to do that, Tim. Um, I think it... I think the line is indicative of Tampa has to win. They have to win this game. The Islanders could lose and still win this series. The Islanders could lose. They go, okay, we go home, and then game seven's a coin flip, right? Tampa loses this game. I think it's over for Tampa. So I think the line is indicative of this. I thought it would open up at minus 170 or so. The fact that it's 200 is just indicative of Tampa Bay has to win, and everybody knows it. So we have two series left to determine who's playing for the Stanley Cup. Both are essentially best of threes now, Tom. Do we get do we get two game sevens? Is that the way we're going to do this? I I'm, I'm tending to think so. I've I already said that I think Vegas is going to win in seven, so I'm not gambling off of that. Mm -hmm. And I think Tampa Bay wins. I still think it's hard to win in New York. Yeah, I'm going to go two game sevens in, in the hockey. You know what? I think it. But I want it, <laughs> right? It, it, there's a little bit of that too. I think it, but I really do want it too. So I'm gonna say yes. We get two game sevens, Tim. All right. When we come back from our final timeout, we'll move to Major League Baseball news and notes for the week, and we'll talk a little bit more about the foreign substance issue that is uh, a black eye for baseball right now. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. 
since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us, not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant-type places. So you're looking for some big league club? Apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but... We're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Martin. Still one of the funniest movies of all time, Major League. And we're going to talk baseball here to wrap this show up, Tom. Hey, Tim. Let's, yes, sir. Do, do we get advertising revenue for American Express through because of that commercial? <laughs> I, I definitely need to look into that, don't I? Yeah, that, that, you got to <laughs> check your contract out there. <laughs> let's, let's take a quick look around the divisions, and we'll talk on a couple uh, subjects involving baseball. We'll look in the East, American League East here, Yanks, 6 of 10, and all of a sudden the seven-game deficit is down to four and a half. Tim, did I lose you? No, no, I said uh, let's look at the East to start. The Yankees, they've won 6 of 10, and that seven-game deficit is now down to four and a half. Yeah, look, uh, you know, like I said, this morning, uh, Sports Card Network, I, I talked to Brian Hoke. He's the Major League Baseball uh, Network guy for the Yankees, and and. There, it's not all doom and gloom here for the Yankees, you know. And this week, by the way, I'm going to have Michael Kay on. And it's because the Yankees are such a, a hot-button topic. You know, the Yankees are right now are one of the top three lowest against-the-spread teams when you're talking about over-unders. Uh, they are one of the lowest-scoring teams. We know that. But there's a lot coming up through the pipe here. Luke Voigt should be joining the team probably this week. You look at Aaron Judge and what he's doing. DJ LeMayu starting to find his stroke. The Yankees have Gary Sanchez getting hot. The Yankees have some stuff going on. And like I mentioned last night, they will go make a deal. Uh, I think the loss of Kluber hurts them more than people realize because their ERA is finally starting to kind of come back to where we thought it would be and become a problem. You look at the New York Yankees and everyone has buried them and it has looked bad. They got swept by Chris's Detroit Tigers. They got swept by the Red Sox. They they looked bad. They hadn't won a weekend series uh, in like four weeks. I mean, they looked horrible. But through it all, through all the bad and all the problems and all the issues and everything else, they're above 500 and comfortably above 500. They are not where you exactly want them to be, but who are they chasing? A flawed Red Sox team that is clearly playing above their heads, and a Tampa Bay team that just lost their ace in Tyler Glasnow. I still believe that the Yankees win this division. I still believe the Yankees have one, maybe two pretty large trade moves coming up here, and it's going to happen quickly. I don't think the Yankees wait until uh, you know after the All-Star break. I think it's going to come up soon. I think a guy like Kettle Marte, is a perfect fit for them. They need a left-handed bat. They need a center fielder, and they absolutely need a, another starting pitcher because Tyon looks like a failed experiment. Kluber, we don't know exactly when he's coming back. Montgomery is a fine four-five. Debbie Garcia is getting blasted in AAA. There's problems here, Tim, but they're fixable problems, and they're fixable problems in season. I expect some moves to go ha- happening here, and I think. We're sitting here, and it's uh, you know June twentieth. So 
So about a month from now is going to be after the All-Star break. I think when the All-Star break is all said and done and we're back on the air after the All-Star break, Tim, I think we're going to be talking about the first place New York Yankees. You'd mentioned the Rays. Glasnow out. Wander Franco set to make his debut this week, Tommy. You know, he doesn't pitch, though, right? Right. That's yeah. the problem. That's yeah. the problem. Um, you know, the Rays for years have always had the pitching and just couldn't get the hitting. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, they have just enough hitting, but you lose Glasnow. I'm sorry. That's got to hurt your team. And he, he's not only is he the team ace when you're talking about absolute production, he's the team ace mindset-wise as well. A young team like this, they look to a guy like that. They look to to that, okay, well, Glasnow is our, our guy. He's the guy every fifth day we don't have to worry about. All right, the stability there really does help, and it really helps him. Him going down, I think, is a lot, I mean a lot more impactful than people are making it out to be. With such a deep farm system that they generally always have, is it beyond them? And I know they're not used to it, Tom, but is it beyond them to go out and pick up an arm here? No, I mean, they can do it. I think the Rays are in a position where the problem is is the same same sort of thing like the Yankees are. Who, Tim? Who? Outside of Scherzer, who is an obvious, you know, go-get for every team, okay? And I just don't think that the Rays are going to go out there and go get Scherzer. Outside of Max Scherzer, who's out there? You know, you could go get a John Gray for a bag of balls. Maybe if you really, uh, you know, we're willing to part with some guys, uh, a Jermaine, uh, you know, Jermaine Marquez from Colorado. Uh, Arizona doesn't really have anybody. Pittsburgh doesn't have anybody worth of note. Are they going out there and hoping and praying that you could pry somebody like Matthew Boyd away? Is Matthew Boyd the answer? I don't think so. So you got how you have guys like Gray and Boyd that sure they could tinker, they could make a move like that. But the guys that were going to be on the market, the Luis Castillos, the Sonny Grays, right? The Cincinnati guys, even the Cubs, they were thought to well, they might be sellers. None of them are going to be right now. So I'm asking you who, because it's to me it's Scherzer and then a bunch of threes. Maybe fours, if you want to consider John Gray a three. I don't know. He, he's more of a four. So, can Tampa Bay go out there and go get a John Gray or a Matthew Boyd and hope for the best? Sure. I can see them doing that. They won't have to give up a top prospect for that. They can go out there, make a, a move, get stability, get some innings. But a difference maker? No, Tim, I just don't see them existing right now. In a month from now, come talk to me. Maybe Cincinnati falls out of this thing. But there's just not a lot of difference makers that are going to be available. Out west, Tom, here come the Astros, 8-10, 7 in a row. They have tied Oakland for the lead in the west. Yeah, their, their offense is just scary good. It's scary good. And Alvarez is uh, just such an underrated player. I know he's a DH, and we always give you know a lot of flack to people that are, only play DH, but this guy is a hitter. He is fantastic. Um, the Astros were all about kind of getting their heads on stay, straight, staying healthy, and their offense was going to come around. It's their pitching I still worry about. You can point to their ERA and team ERA this year and say, Tom, look at what they're doing. Well, that's great. But they also have guys that are pitching right now and pitching really well right now will not pitch in August and September. There is no way they're jumping these guys up from 60, 70 innings to 180 innings. It's just not happening. And that was always my concern with the Astros. Outside of Zach Granke, who's giving you length? 
outside of Zach Granke, what does the rotation look like when we're sitting back and we're talking here in September and October, Tim, right? Uh, if you're sitting back and asking me, who is the starting rotation for, uh, uh, you know, the Houston Astros, if they go into a playoff series, I have no idea outside of Zach Granke. Now, there are guys that are playing well, right? And they're performing accurately. Oh, oh man, oh, you know, have you seen this guy's ERA? That's what I always hear. Yeah, I have. Have you seen his innings? Because there, there's just not, it is not a world that Houston kind of throws this thing away for this. Lance McCullers is coming back from an injury. He's coming back from an injury seemingly, not only this year, but seemingly every year. I have zero confidence that Lance McCullers is going to be the guy that they push now every fifth day, and he's going to be perfectly fine for the playoffs. Jose, your, your quitty, uh, Framber Valdez, they've pitched really well. Their innings will be a problem. So unless you believe in a Jake Odorizzi, Tim, which I don't and I don't think you do, then we have a problem. A guy like, just, just to give you an example, a guy like Framber Valdez, right? Last year, he pitched 70 innings. Year before that, 70 innings. Year before that's 37 innings. He's at 32 already. How many more starts do you think they're giving him? Even if you take that 70 innings, Tim, and you push it to 100, okay, which is still a, a marketable bounce back and, and a bounce up in innings, he, he's not finishing August. He's not pitching into August. All right, well, you know what? He's been kind of uh, not exactly in the rotation. All right, let's look at Jose Urquidy, right? Let's look at his uh, statistical line. Well, he's already pitched 69 innings this year. Well, let's go look at last year, right? How did last year go? 69 innings uh, this year, uh, 29 last year, 41 the year before that, 70 before that. Go back to his minor league career. He has to go back to 2016 to find a time that he pitched over 80 innings, Tim. Man. You know, so, you know, 80 to 100 innings, you're not jumping up to 180 innings. That's where Houston worries me. Let's head to the Midwest. How about the Central? The Cubbies and the Brewers tied for first. Reds, Cardinals, four games back. I still think that the Cardinals have to make that move. And we just talked about Max Scherzer. He's the guy that needs to go to St. Louis. When they lost Flaherty, um, it was devastating to this team. Because not only because Flaherty went down and he was so good, but because they always needed a secondary guy anyway, and they didn't have him stepping in. Um, Carlos Martinez has been a failed experiment. Adam Wainwright is showing his age. They absolutely have the farm system to get somebody big done. They've got to go do it. I think the Cubs are a regression kind of team. The team that I'd be worried about, not only just for the National League Central, but for the National League and for all of baseball, is Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee is doing this with a big three starting pitcher, a tremendous bullpen. They just can't hit. Now, we know Christian Yelich is better than what he's done so far. But if they go out there and they make an aggressive move and they get one hitter who sparks that lineup, Tim Milwaukee could run away with this thing. Yeah, they've only scored 290 runs so far this year, but because of their pitching has really put them in that spot. Cubs, I'm with you on that. I don't. The Cubs can't play on the road, and um, I think we'll see a swoon happen here soon with the heavy-laden road schedule coming up. And then you can really begin the Chris Bryant talks at that point. I guess we'll kind of we'll kind of close the divisions out with the West. Look, another week, the Giants, 20 games over 500, still in first place. Another week, Arizona, 17 straight losses, Tom, and a road record of pitiful road record of plus 25 game losing streak on the road. 
and it's still not the worst losing streak in the division because the Colorado Rockies have five wins on the road. I mean, yeah. they're not the worst road team, and they've lost like 25 games in a row. That's saying something. They actually have double the road wins of the Rockies. Um, you know, Chris just wrote us. I no way we're believing this San Francisco team. I am. Tim, I've been telling you this for months now. I keep betting them. I keep winning. I keep betting on San Francisco, and I'm going to continue to keep going back to the well for San Francisco. I believe in what they're doing. I believe in that team makeup, but I especially believe in their starting pitching. In a world, and I say this a lot, but in a world that didn't have Jacob deGrom, Kevin Gaussman might be the Cy Young. He's your guy. He didn't come out of nowhere. He didn't pop out of nowhere. He's always been a very highly recruited prospect, a highly touted guy. Baltimore just didn't know how to use him. You look at a guy like Anthony DiScalfani. He had all kinds of hype in Cincinnati. Well, he seemed to have found his way. They have closers, a guy like Rogers and, and McGee. Jake McGee was supposed to be the next guy. They're having a rebirth there. Buster Posey's got 12 home runs. It's the most home runs he's had in like a decade, right? I mean, Buster Posey's crushing the ball. Brandon Crawford's having an unreal year. Mike Ostremski has finally found his swing. He, he wasn't having a good year. One of the few Giants that wasn't having a good year. All of a sudden, what is he doing? Oh, he's found his swing since he's come back from the DL. I'm buying into this Giants team. Now, do I think that they need to tinker? They do. They would benefit the most from a guy like Trevor Story. They just don't have a position for him. Uh, they would benefit most by going out there and getting a very big bat. But I'm not selling on the Giants. Week after week that we're on the show, I keep telling you I'm going back to the well with the Giants. I'm sticking with the Giants. I still believe in the Giants. I still believe in the Giants. Nothing's changing here, Tim. I still believe in the Giants. Do they go out? You said a bat. You don't think that they strengthen that rotation and bring another arm in? Can they depend on Alex Wood at the back half of that rotation? I think they could for now. It depends. Again, I think you have to have an internal discussion. And how much do you really believe that you could you could win this thing this year? How much does San Francisco really believe? Because you do have some minor league guys, but they are top echelon guys. Now, if you told me that San Francisco goes out and goes and gets Max Scherzer, I think they win the division. I think they're they're a World Series competent team. Because you have Scherzer one, Gaussman two, Discalfani three. I, I'm I'm buying in. But I still believe you need a bat. So, uh, you know, it starts to come to the question of how, what do you do there? How can you maximize getting two things for a team that is the best team in baseball right now, right? How can you go out there and get two, two things? And if you have to make a choice to go get that one thing, Tim, the one thing has to be a bat. We, we kind of touched on this two weeks ago. We uh, briefly talked about it last night. Just uh, I want to leave a little more time for the spider attack foreign substance situation and that what is Major League Baseball going to do here, Tom? They're saying they're going to get serious about enforcement, but I haven't seen anything happen yet. They're going to get serious about enforcement by threatening enforcement. And I talked about this on the show this morning. Um, it's not the 10-game suspension because a 10-game suspension with pay is not a deterrent, especially for starting pitcher. Because they'll just bump him back a game, and basically he's going to miss one turn through the rotation. It's the connotation that will be led onto your shoulders. You're a cheater. You got caught. You're the one that got caught. And they, they want to publicly humiliate you. That's why they're giving these guys this much time, Tim. They're going, guys, 
We're giving you plenty of time. <laughs> Correct this garbage so we don't have to drag your name through the mud. It has nothing to do with a deterrent of losing pay. There's nothing to do with a deterrent of losing a lot of starts. You're going to miss one start. No big deal. It has to do with dragging your name through the mud. And Major League Baseball is telling everybody, we will throw you under the bus. So correct this. That's why we gave you two weeks to correct this problem. Because whoever gets caught, we're not going to defend you. We're not going to sit back and say it's not cheating. We're not going to sit back and say, oh, it's a slap on the wrist. No, no, no. We are going to drag your name through the mud. And the first person that gets caught, you're going to take the brunt of it. So the pitchers, they don't want to get caught because of that. Forget about all of the, the garbage stuff that Major League Baseball threw on them. What they're doing is they're saying, Whoever gets caught first, watch what we do to you. So whoever does get caught first, because somebody will, whoever does get caught first, watch them get absolutely destroyed by sports media, by Major League Baseball. It will be proactive for baseball to just rip this guy's name through the mud repeatedly. And his career will never be the same. They want to make an example out of somebody. And they're telling pitchers, whoever's getting nailed, we're making an example out of you. But this isn't something that just popped up on the scene, Tom. We've been talking about for since we were growing up, spitballs and then sandpaper, nail files. Even the movie that we love so much in Major League, the pitcher jokes about snot, urine, uh, Vaseline. You know, it is what it is. It's it's not something that's just burst onto the scene here. And and these guys are talking about making concoctions of of dirt and. Uh, sunscreen you know all these these things to get a better grip on the ball so it's not something that just happened this has been happening for years decades and it's been increased recently because they changed the ball tim and they told us all they didn't change the ball but i can tell you they changed the ball so pitchers adjusted and now they're mad at pitchers for adjusting because just like the nfl Everybody wants offense, 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 and more offense. And that's what they want. They don't like the game, the way that the game's going. It's a strikeout or a home run, and they're getting a lot more strikeouts. They don't like that. So they're trying to figure out what can we do to bring more offense back into the game. And the pitchers, you know what? They adjusted one time. They'll adjust again. They'll find something else to complain about. They'll we'll find something else that's out there. Trevor Bauer, you like him or not, it doesn't matter. He has got a good Twitter feed. He actually showed everybody just by just by rosin and sweat the ball is sticking to the palm of his hand and you go yeah this is we can do this it just takes a combination if you give them something to be sticky with they'll find a way i wonder like you said is how how far does it go for uh, you said they're going to make an example it won't be a Trevor Bauer or Garrett Cole that gets caught on this, Tom. It'll be some minor leaguer first, right, as their way of, of saying, hey, we're policing it. Well, they've been nailing minor leaguers for, for a couple of days now, and uh, you're not going to hear that. No, I, I, I disagree. I think it is going to be somebody big, Tim. I think mm-hmm. we're going to – it has to be. It, it has to be. If, if you know, and I'll throw out one of my guys, um, you know, because I know that he's not doing it, 100% know it. Uh, but if Jordan Montgomery, you know, for the Yankees gets caught – does anyone care? No. Right? No. No, it's got to be it's got to be a Garrett Cole. It's got to be a Trevor Bauer. It's got to be a, a big time name guy um, to really hammer this home, to make sure, hey, 
it's a big time name guy. It's a guy with a big contract. It's a guy that his reputation might be ruined. Because you know what, Tim? I mean, look, let's say you were a Jordan Montgomery type of guy and you feel like, you know, because of, of this new substance, that's why I was able to finally find my, my curveball or whatnot. And that's going to keep me in the show. Are you going to stop it? You're going to stop using that? Which makes you a, a multi, multi, multi millionaire as opposed to playing in AAA because you now get a 10 game suspension and maybe you'll be labeled a, a, a sticky tack guy. No, you're not stopping it. But guys that have a reputation, guys that are potentially Hall of Famers, guys that are potentially Cy Young winners, yeah. They will stop it because they know my reputation means something. And you've already had guys like Tyler Glasnow come out and say the reason for his injury is because he wasn't able to do what he usually does, right? Injuries are going to skyrocket. Injuries are going to skyrocket because even subconsciously, guys are going to change their rotation. They're going to change their setup. They're going to change their their delivery. Uh, And delivery is everything for a pitcher. But also... Because guys now don't have to stick them. I remember you know, guys getting hit on the wrist all the time. Think about Derek Jeter getting hit on the wrist. It seemed like every series he was getting shots on the wrist. You're going to see a lot more injuries now, not only to pitchers but also to batters. But from a betting standpoint, Tim, you're going to see a lot more balls fly out of the ballpark. Tomorrow, Tom, Monday afternoon baseball for you. we got two games in an elimination game, Stanford and Arizona, and then the nightcap, Vandy, NC State. How about that game in the College World Series? You get to see Rocker tomorrow for Vanderbilt. Yeah, you got to go to Vandy, but, man, I, I like what NC State's done this year. They're, they're a fun team. It's fun to watch Tom Barton, sports.com. 2-0 today, Tom, with your selections hitting 90% in the month of June. The entire month of June, 90%. Yeah, absolutely, crush it. And my plus one fifty underdog on Chris wins uh, Detroit Tigers took a little uh, a little sweat and a little overtime there, a little uh, extra innings, but I'll take it. Uh, hit that TomBartonSports.com. I already got my game up for tomorrow. I feel very confident about it. You guys check it all out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Get in now. You get thirty days of plays. Take you past the All Star break. You get every play in Major League Baseball, every play in the NHL, every play in the NBA for less than a hundred dollars. It's Tom. BartonSports.com. Tommy, you took a shot at me, man. You had you bet against the O's and the Angels today. I went two and What about a hashtag SGN? What do we got lined up this week over at Wagering Week? Yeah, overall Wagering Week, like I said, Brian Hoke, uh, real good interview that, that we did today. You're going to learn a lot of stuff about, about the sticky stuff uh, for certain. And looking forward to next week, guys, Michael Cage is going to join us, uh, the Yankee broadcaster. So that, that'll be a really good one. And that you could always check out at Wagering Week is the podcast. It's Wagering Week. All right, Tom. Uh, good conclusions of Father's Day. We will talk to you next weekend, my man. Have a good one, everybody, and happy Father's Day out there. Tommy Barton. TomBartonSports.com and check out his podcast, Wagering Week. I, I love listening to it. Great, great interviews there. Tommy does a great job over Wagering Week, hashtag SGN. For Demond Cotton, Tim Unglesby, have a great sports week, and we'll be back Saturday night, 10 o'clock, right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.